0: Florentine Perez is like, heard you were talking shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, they have shooters out here.
0: What's up, everyone? It's Hardcore Football. I'm Phil Baki, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, um, where to even begin
1: um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say at the beginning, but where even is that?
0: <laughs> well, so yeah, I I guess we'll actually dive into that question. Like, what is the beginning of this? Um, right, but right. So really, most of our episodes, we might like joke around and all this stuff, but like we have so much to cover. The European Super League uh, announcement from the weekend. We have to talk about all of this and. The cool thing about this episode is that it's, it's pretty much going to be driven by the listeners.
1: Indeed. Yeah, you guys really showed out with the questions, so we appreciate it because it's helping us guide a, converse, a difficult conversation that I think would have been hard for us by ourselves to try and organize. So we do appreciate everyone who, who reached out via Twitter and submitted their questions.
0: Yeah, we, we definitely appreciate the, the engagement. And for those of you finding us for the first time and thinking like, well, I would like to ask a question. Uh, well you can at HXC football on Twitter. Um, and you can, uh, you can check out the podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. Um, and if you find it there and can leave a review, that would be pretty awesome if you left a five-star review, um, and get more people to be able to, to get their ears on it. But, um, like you said Mika, this is a super difficult topic. It is a super divisive topic, obviously. And well, maybe not even divisive. It's a it's an intensely emotional topic for many for many fans um of many clubs around Europe and having a certain opinion. We're going to express some strong opinions uh but we wanted to put a disclaimer on some of this.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh We're going to express some strong opinions, but I I hope that whoever is listening to this, if you have a different opinion, if you have no opinion at all, that's okay. Um, These are just our thoughts and no one else's. Um, And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're all just united in our love for the game. And I think if anything, this uh, European Super League announcement has showed that we have a lot more in common with each other than we think. Yeah. In terms of how we see ourselves, how our clubs see us or don't, uh, and, and all of that. So, yeah, just a little bit of disclaimer. We're not meaning to denigrate or discount anyone's opinions, especially if they're different. I mean, that's what... That's what makes football beautiful really is the d- diversity and diversity of thought for sure. So, but yeah, just forewarning that we're going to say some shit.
0: Tonight. We're going to we're <laughs> going to go in, but please don't take offense like if you feel differently, we you yeah. know, we certainly are not personally attacking you. Um we just have some pretty strong feelings around the way the game uh is played uh in Europe right now and the uh, the way that competition is emphasized uh, at the end of the day above all else. But so the European Super League, Mika, I mean, w- first we we talk about like, what actually is this? And I, I want to just give like the bullet points and then we can dive into some of the like broader context of this. So the European Super League um, has been rumored for a long time. and And for many years, it's been threatened at different points by the big clubs in Europe of this breakaway league um, forming their own, their own league amongst themselves. And on Sunday, 12 of Europe's leading football clubs announced plans to form a so-called European super league. The plans have been since condemned by fans, politicians, former players and the sports regulators throwing the elite game into turmoil. The clubs involved are premier league teams, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester city, Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur. Serie A clubs, AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juventus, and La Liga clubs, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, and Real Madrid. The group plans to begin the new competition as soon as is practicable, but risk being thrown out of other tournaments as they do. So that's the broad strokes. That is like what, what we've gotten to. The context of this is... I mean, there's there's a lot of it. But I guess first and foremost is this signals a pretty big shift from the threats of the past to now concrete action being taken by these clubs.
1: Indeed, yeah. Um, it was just six months ago, Phil, that you and I were, were talking about Project Big Picture and kind of how we thought that yeah. that was pretty appalling in its own right and just how this power grab this money grab um you know in the throes of the pandemic has been has been tried at uh, not in all different stages of this pandemic now we're over a year in and this european super league is announced it seems like they really are serious about playing it they want to start as soon as august this season which is unbelievable and you know that makes you think that that the, the concrete plans for this, the, the, the financing, um, working with JP Morgan. I mean, I know from experience that securing a credit facility from a big bank like that takes a long time. So, I mean, this, or it can, it can take a long time anyway. So like things that typically take years, it seems like have been happening overnight, but I do think that a lot of this has been going on for, for several years. And really the, pandemic as sickening as it is to say is is has presented a perfect opportunity for these clubs to you know seize seize power and 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 more money more money than yeah you know they could ever hope to i guess win in in uefa's competitions as they currently are
0: so as we get into what is this and like what what is the european super league i think first and foremost we have to highlight that these 12 teams are forming the super league independent of any connection to any other governing body or fa or or any sort of like regulatory body um, of the game which in and of itself lend you know kind of lends itself one to their existing outside of the current hierarchy And it can be assumed that there's no real way to qualify for this tournament. It's simply you're either in, uh, you're chosen as being in, maybe voted in, or you're not. And that's essentially like the criteria, which is probably the first big problem that a lot of people have uh, with such a setup.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the sport has been, predicated on this notion of promotion and relegation and, you know, being where you are in, in the footballing hierarchy, the European footballing hierarchy based on merit and sporting success. And this flies in the face of that. It's a, it's a, I would say semi closed league, I guess, not fully closed in the fact that they apparently intend to allow (laughs) five clubs to potentially qualify, um, you know via i don't I don't even know i guess domestic success i don't really know i mean but there yeah. are going to be these 12 founding members possibly 15 if they can get three more you know big quote unquote big clubs to sign on yeah. um i mean notably psg have not signed on to this bayern munich have not signed on to this Borussia dortmund have not porto like all, all these clubs that you've that we've heard talked about right um and, I mean, Bayern and PSG obviously being huge ones to yeah. both the UEFA Champions League finalists last year. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that this setup flies in the face of that um, because it's semi-closed. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: And it worth mentioning that PSG, obviously the most, the most prominent French side, um, but no French sides and no German sides involved. Uh, Not just Mm -hmm. like their high profile teams, but you know, really no representation in a European super league. There's only teams from three countries.
1: Yeah. Uh, How super can it be? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's odd. And I mean, I know there's people that are, Asking, well, well, why is that? Um, well, you know, in PSG's case, Nasser al is, you know, obviously they're they're backed by Qatar and, and BN, the BN Media Group is owned by Qatar and, and him. So that really doesn't further his interest in the short term because he has paid, BN's group has paid a fortune for the European competition's television rights. So yeah. I don't want people to be misguided and thinking, like, wow, they're, like, taking a stand. This is shocking. I mean, they have a pocket that would hurt from this, too. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And plus, the World Cup having been, let's face it, bought by Qatar. Right. That's coming up. The, the threat of players not being able to show out for their national teams at this World Cup would render it even more of a farce than it already is. So, that's kind yeah. of the PSG background, if you will. Bayern, I yeah. think that's a little bit more complicated because as as many know german clubs are slight simple majority owned by their fans 51 plus you know 50 plus 1 rule and all that so i think it'd be a little bit more tricky to them not mm-hmm. to mention probably very unpalatable into <laughs> german to you know the german culture yeah. shall we say so that's and that's not to say that these things won't change these things are changing by the minute i mean yeah I was driving home from work today, and you know Florentino Perez's cringe quote after quote <laughs> were being live tweeted. I almost thought to like pull over and just <laughs> watch this, but uh, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where we are right now with those clubs, at, at least.
0: We'll dive. We'll dive into the the man himself, uh, crin- <laughs> yeah. cringe cringe and all. Uh, but I I just want to say that Germany, I think, uh, setting themselves up often they're referred to as like a model of fan support and, Mm -hmm. and like respect for supporters, um, from the clubs. And in this case, I think they know that there would be, and when I, when I say riots, I don't mean like a few people showing up outside of the stadium. I think like we're talking about genuine protests, like not necessarily violent, but, genuine protest like german fans have refused to show up to games that are at a kickoff time that they don't like Mm -hmm. um let alone like not showing up to a game that's in a league that they don't support (laughs)
1: levels yeah (laughs) oh my gosh yeah
0: so um but you mentioned the man who's like really at the heart of all of this for the Super League in terms of being the face of it because as of yet like the likes of John Henry or Stan Krenke or uh, the you know the Glazer family like some of these like high profile owners even Agnelli from from Juventus like have stayed completely out of the press like have not really commented to any significant other than degree the
1: the press release yeah
0: right like right. it was simply just a a literally like boilerplate <laughs> like yeah. this is our announcement um florentino perez on the other hand uh no stranger to controversy and the owner of real madrid for those who don't know or the president of real madrid i should say um he came out and he went all in on the idea of the super league and went in on UEFA in the in the, uh, in the process, so first off the, our, our question from from our friend Tyler and Savannah um, he asked, why is florentino Perez at the heart of or the lead man in the European super league
1: yeah it's an interesting one i, I obviously without knowing you know, having any insider information who knows, but what I think what's obvious is he's of these, of this group of, of executives and mm-hmm. owners. I think he's always been the most forward facing of all of them, at least as far as the greater game is concerned. People sure. know who Florentino Perez is. He's um, been a mainstay at Real Madrid Um you know, I don't think that the average fan perhaps could name Andrea Agnelli or or Henry or, you know, unless they follow these clubs or follow Europe closely. But I think a sure. lot of people know who Florentino is, you know. So I think that name recognition comes with it. I think also he's an astute businessman. Let's face it. Uh, Real Madrid have experienced a boatload of success under his watch, sure. um, you know, and he did just get Quote reelected president unopposed um, <laughs> at, yeah. at Real Madrid. So, I mean, I think all of those things, his his leadership qualities um, and his his connections in the game, I think are, are were crucial. And I think he's one of the few that would actually stump up to the press like he has uh, today. So,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, and all of those things kind of make sense to me as why well. he'd be leading this. Um,
0: his like his whole career at Madrid. Um, as the president has been defined by the galacticos era so going out and and getting the most marketable players the the like bright stars across europe um even if it doesn't make sense like and i'm not saying that he hasn't seen success during his tenure because obviously he has like the cristiano ronaldo was was a perez you know purchase like he prioritized um, um getting ronaldo and he you know they won three champions League in a row like with a former mm-hmm. perez player Zenadine sedan who he went out and got like and built his first team around so i think yeah but i think the thing that like most defined his 10 years is whether or not the pieces make sense and whether or not like he's doing the most like footballing, like smart decisions. He's making the plays that are the most marketable. And so, and the most like profitable. Mm. So he was, he was championing like Real Madrid's branding worldwide. Like, Asia especially like making big pushes in like these worldwide markets. Mm-hmm. Um so the Super League is not a very far stretch for him. Like breaking with tradition to grow the global brand or the the profitability of Real Madrid, like he has done that like throughout yeah. history. Um so Yeah, I think it fits right along. And so he's unashamed like in any of this because he's done it previously. Like he's broke. He broke with tradition of Real Madrid, you know, using their academy to bring players through. Um, And he was like, nope, we're going to go out and we're going to buy all the most famous players. And every single person in a Madrid shirt is going to be like one of the best players in the world at their position. Um, And to an extent, it it's completely worked. Um, there's, there's been ups and downs through his tenure, but the, uh, his breaking with tradition hasn't, hasn't hampered him yet, uh, in any material way. So I think him being the face of this, like game breaking change in European football is pretty much par for the course for him.
1: Yeah. It's what the natural next step is not it. Um, but I mean, Phil, there's, there's people that are wondering why you know there are people like how has this happened so fast and I think again really I think this has been years in the making and 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 I don't blame anyone for feeling blindsided because mm-hmm. the timing of the announcement and all that is all very calculated when you yeah. you need to look at it in the cold light of day but what is the context behind this cuz I think we had a a question about perhaps the precursor to this Super League which is the the Premier League itself
0: Yeah yeah, yeah, Christian uh our friend Christian Canales at Fly13091 on Twitter said, "Can you all talk about how the Premier League came about for someone relatively new to the game like me? It's all I've known, so to be hearing that it was a problematic concept is kind of jarring." Um the Super League, the European Super League's being referred to as a breakaway league, right? Like they're breaking with the current mm-hmm. structure. The Premier League was a breakaway league in in its initial inception. Um, for those, for those who don't know, the premier league, uh, didn't exist until 1992. Um, and up until that point, the, the football league was the divisions that we like currently know with the, English Division One, English Division Two, II, Division Three, Division Four. Like that was the structure of the Football League um, in those four tiers that we now know as the Premier League, the Championship, League One, League Two. Um, that structure existed just Division One through Division Four. And the old English Division One was uh, around since the formation of the Football League, like in the late 1800s. Uh, early 1900s, I guess. Uh, and so the premier league was a power grab for lack of a better term by the <laughs> biggest teams in, in, in the old English division one, um, who thought that the way that revenue was distributed, like throughout the football league for television rights and, and media rights and, and image rights and all those sorts of things, like uh, was inequitable based on how much they were making, so they teamed with Sky Sports, um, the or with Sky, the broadcaster, uh, to form a new breakaway league that would take all of the best teams away from the from the football league, um, and basically drain any sort of revenue stream or or marketability from the football league be, in order to secure. More money for themselves um, and uh, in the end, it turned into a similar setup where basically the football league negotiated with the Premier League to reintegrate it into the into the football pyramid, and that's where they renamed old the old division two the championship and so on and so forth um, but this initial power grab led to. Uh, eventually the football league coming to the negotiating table and making a bunch of concessions in order to reconnect the premier league to the English football league. So that's the, like, I guess the, the cliff notes of why, why this is a similar situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, that I think that was a great summary and just goes to show you that there is precedent for this. I mean, people are calling this unprecedented and it's, Really kind of not. True. Um, may I say, though, real quick before we move on, because I know mm-hmm. we've got a lot of listener questions. When the Premier League was being spoken about way back in the 90s, when I wasn't even born, yep. early 90s. Yep. One of those big clubs, you know, that banded together with the others was Everton. Do you see that that club in the Super League? <laughs> no. No. Because these things change over time.
0: Yeah. Another, another club that was part of this, was it not Blackburn Rovers?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this notion of like big clubs like has evolved. And so, I mean, it's just laughable to see, you know, these six think they've got this divine right to be called big and, and break away. So anyway, we'll get into it, but just wanted to point that out that at that time the yeah. what, what we thought of as big clubs was much different
0: <laughs> yeah the uh the founding the founding members uh of the new premier league the 22 founding members were arsenal aston villa blackburn rovers chelsea coventry city crystal palace everton ipswich town leeds united liverpool manchester city manchester united middlesbrough norwich nottingham forest oldham athletic qpr sheffield united sheffield wednesday southampton tottenham and wimbledon there you go (laughs) coventry and wimbledon have not seen the premier league oldham as well like have not seen Mm -hmm. the premier league from where they've been for uh, nigh on 30 like basically since this Like like they have been down in the, in the football league. So yeah, shit changes. Like, yeah, it's it, but yes, as you said, like not unprecedented. And I guess like when we're talking about the concept of this closed league, there is maybe a scenario and maybe, maybe it's a little early to even be talking about it. Like in terms of the, the broader discussion, um, but maybe there is a scenario where basically this ends up just being leverage where the super league ends up just becoming UEFA's club competition, like primary club competition and people qualify it, qualify for it similarly to the way that they have for the champions league. It's just a difference in how the money's distributed.
1: And, and that brings up, I guess our next kind of facet of this discussion is what has been UEFA and FIFA and the domestic league's response to this.
0: <sighs> Not positive. I will say that. <laughs> um, yeah. no, the, uh, it's been, it's been met with, with very intense threats, um, mm-hmm. from, from UEFA and, and FIFA. Um, and the, the other clubs from the leagues that these clubs currently participate in domestically, um, there are, there are threats of UEFA ex- expelling the teams, uh, that have broken away from their, or that have said they're going to join the super league, um, expelling them from UEFA competitions, not allowing players who, uh, are participating on those teams to play for their national teams in UEFA and FIFA competitions, Um, which, you know, the euros and, and the world cup, um, and all this, like all this as well, we saw a little bit of tea spilled Mika because Alexander (laughs) Seferin, the president of UEFA went in on Ed Woodward and Andrea Agnelli saying that he was like texting them earlier this week and they lied that this wasn't going to happen.
1: I mean, I think the term he used is snakes. Yeah. <laughs> that they are snakes, which... Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme, to be honest. Well, but, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the, the reaction's been negative. Um, what about our reactions? Like, you support Liverpool. I support Arsenal. I don't yeah. think we can dance around that. Yeah. What... Uh, I mean, you've been supporting Arsenal, or excuse me, you've been supporting Liverpool for sixteen years. I mean, yeah. How you know before we really dive into our listener questions, just True. how do you feel about this? Just overall,
0: I, I feel, and and this is obviously on a lesser scale to someone who maybe like has supported or you know their family has supported Liverpool for like generations or something like that. Yeah. But as you said, like it, it it's been about half my life. Um, and, or exactly half my life, I guess. And, uh, I feel at the heart of it, like this is a betrayal, like for lack of a better term. And I know that sounds like very dramatic, but the fact, the fact of the matter is that Liverpool, like as a club has always had um, and this is like diving into the history of like well before I was around, but I mean, there is history of relegation at Liverpool. There's history of not qualifying for the champions league, obviously very recently. And what has made the success, the recent success so enjoyable has been those moments. Like yeah, those lows have made the highs that much sweeter. Um, so when I think about, and Liverpool itself, like, started, I've probably said it on this podcast, I I know I've said it a million times, but Liverpool started in the second division. Like, mm-hmm. when they were formed, they weren't given, like, a straight, Everton were the team that that started in, in the old English first division back in the day. Um. So without that connection, without that competition, and without that sporting merit, like, Everton would be the big club. Like if we, if we were set up like American sport, you know, if the premier league were set up like American sports, um, from the start, it Liverpool never would have existed really. Like they would have been a minor league club that got bought out like eventually or dissolved or whatever. Um, they'd be a footnote and Everton would be Liverpool's team. Um, so at the heart of it, there's just this this anti competitiveness just feels so counter to how Liverpool have done business in their in their history since 1892, because um, it's always been about competition, and this is just anti competitive on every level.
1: Yeah, well said. I couldn't disagree with that. <laughs> on Liverpool, I think it's also like. Acutely shocking because, well, one, Liverpool's history is so much about those six European Cups, and you're just going to
0: throw that
1: away. You know what I mean? That's one. And number two, I mean, everyone knows what Liverpool is about on a social level. I mean, this means more. You'll never walk alone. Liverpool, uh, you know, Scouse first, English second, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. This new Liverpool, I don't know – how fans in Merseyside feel about it, but I I would think that they feel like they can't recognize this Liverpool right now. Yeah. So yeah,
0: we had a joint statement with Manchester United, like about this. When was the last time you saw Manchester (laughs) United and Liverpool do anything together? Like there's just, I don't know. People are, people are even talking like, obviously there's a lot of hyperbole like going on right now because we don't know the extent of the consequences of this. Like, we're right. standing on a cliff and we have no idea, like if there's a step down or just th- a drop. Um, yeah. And so there is a lot, like kind of flying around. But people talk about like Everton won the last ever derby, and if that it, if this leads to like the expulsion of club of clubs from the football league or or whatever, like that could end up being true, which is crazy. And right. the idea that they would even flirt with that idea if it doesn't happen, it, it's very likely that it won't happen like that dramatically and and yeah. this will all probably kind of find some sort of equilibrium um but the very fact that they would like threaten that history right. and threaten those sorts of institutions is just it's just crazy like and it's reckless yeah. at the end of the day
1: absolutely yeah i mean from an arsenal fan's perspective i mean first of all I've been supporting Arsenal for o- almost a decade now, but I am the first to admit that being an American, my experience and my interaction with the club is fundamentally different from that of of fans in North London and in England. Yeah. Um, you know, the match-going fan, who they've been taking the piss out of the match-going fan for years now, and this is just way, way over the top. Now they're doing it, you know, to everyone. Um, I mean, I say now, but it's not like it's this is brand new that they're treating the fans like shit because they don't care. But uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's much the same. It's extremely disappointing. I think for Arsenal in particular, what I find the most disgusting, really, is that it seems like we've just thrown in the towel on getting back to where we should be on Sporting Merit alone and have seen the balance sheet and said our Our bad decisions, our bad sporting decisions are irreparable. So we need to go into this European Super League and insulate ourselves further from financial losses. And I get it. The pandemic has been hard on everyone. I get that. You know, clubs are losing money by the millions every day. Some clubs don't exist anymore. But in Arsenal's case, it's like this... These problems are well before COVID-19. We've been... I mean, Arsene Wenger, you know, he shielded the fans, I think, from a lot of this. Because he wore so many different hats when he was manager at Arsenal. He did everything, you know, for the club. And now his job's been splintered out over, like, 10 different people or whatever. And now we're starting to see, like, just how poorly this club is run and how the owners are so... They just don't care. And I think... I, I I'm and I say I don't care in in the footballing sense, but they do care very much about their investment and in protecting that. Mm-hmm. And the threat of no European competition next year whatsoever, that's just a that's just too much for them. They they cannot they can't do that. Yeah. Uh and and so to join this European Super League makes a ton of sense business wise, because now you're insulated from these losses and They're talking about $3.5 billion being spread out over these these 12 or maybe 15 clubs. That roughly equates, I think, to four times what what the Champions League winner would earn in prize money. I mean, and they're saying they still want to play in their domestic leagues. You know, our friend, Fernie, made a good point to me, like, the top six clubs are already in a league of their own, and that's true, financially speaking. Now, just imagine four times that. Right. It's gonna make the domestic leagues a complete joke. And again, when you can't be relegated from the super league, in Arsenal's view, I think there is gonna be absolutely zero incentive to spend and be better because there's no consequence. Right. There's no consequence for being shit. Look at Krunky's other teams. Right? I mean <laughs> the Rams, the Nuggets does he <laughs> I mean none of the these Rams teams the
0: Rams literally had to leave their city. They were so like and (laughs) Colorado Rapids have been Exactly just garbage.
1: You know, and I and I, I respect other Arsenal fans for having this opinion, like, you know, maybe it'll be good for us. We've been struggling with money issues for so long and blah blah blah. I get why you would think that and I don't I don't this is not to disparage those fans, but I just really don't think that it means what they think it means and that he will spend more. There's no way this is just so that the money can keep coming in and not going out.
0: Yeah. yeah. Because
1: there's going to be no sporting consequence for pissing money away on this super league. Cause it's, it's guaranteed. Yep. So I'm sorry if that was kind of incoherent, but it makes no. sense in my mind.
0: <laughs> no. And that I, it's, that's the fear. Like, Right now, the way that things are set up, and and I mean, using the Premier League as a perfect example, we talk about how the top six, like, and Fernie's not wrong. Like financially, the top six are in a league of their own. Like they are yeah. far and away, like making the most money. But let's be real, Leicester and West Ham are in the top four right now. Like, right? They are on track and I'm not saying they will like West Ham obviously lost to Newcastle this weekend in, in a, it was actually a great match to watch. Um, but, uh, um, well,
1: Florentino Perez would say that that that's a trash match. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one wants to watch that. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, but, um, <laughs> and, uh, Leicester have, have started to, to stumble a bit and like, maybe they won't hold on, um yeah. but at the end of the day like they have a shot like they have a chance of playing in the Champions League and at the very least like they'll likely qualify for the Europa League at least um right so the idea <laughs> that Liverpool and Tottenham and Arsenal who are all sitting outside of the top 4 like are and Chelsea are looking at that and saying like mm, rather than like strive to get back in and like push and and compete why don't we just guarantee it for ourselves like why don't we just why don't we just get into a situation where there is no risk and like mm-hmm. a lot of people at the end of the day like I know a lot of people have, will reference American sports and will show like well the NBA and NFL like they're still su- hugely popular and they don't have promotion and relegation but like that the infrastructure or sorry the the ecosystem is so different um like yeah. in the US cities outside of the major metropolitan areas are used to not being allowed to have like professional sports teams do something like, or be prominent, but that's not the case. Like a team from Leicester in, in England, like can win the premier league. Like that happened. Yeah. (laughs) The team, you know, West Ham who have been like up and down, like up and down, like into the championship and back up and like they can go to the Champions League. Like that's allowed, you know. They
1: Atalanta. Atalanta in Italy.
0: Yes. Who just beat Juve I'm, by the way.
1: <laughs> fraction of Juve's budget. I mean, yeah.
0: We can have these these sorts of talks, but at the end of the day, like there are communities and clubs and players that will forever be locked out of the top tier for no reason other than they don't play for or can't be signed by or don't live in the cities that have been deigned, like worthy of this competition. And that's just Mm -hmm. like completely, it completely flies in the face of, of how it's currently set up. And so that's, that's I think what gets me most fired up is like no one, no one ever said like Liverpool and Manchester and like, um like no one ever said that those are you know footballing cities where like the teams are destined to be great. Like there, you know, there was no guarantee of that. Like um they've just continued to to be prominent or like invest or or whatever it is, but there's there's risk. Like win or die. Yeah. Like that's that's essentially what it boils down to. And So it's just, it's just a little, that's what gets us fired up. I think is like the idea that we pick and choose who is prominent. And that is what happened in American sports. We pick and choose like who gets franchises and who doesn't, you know? Um, And now like any community that's not currently part of it is just locked out. And like, that's the future we're looking at where, Right now, a lot of people across the world will root for Real Madrid because it's a famous it's a famous club with a lot of history. But do we want to make it where fans have to root for Real Madrid because there's only 19 other teams that they can even care about? Right. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, the to dive into our listener questions though, now that we've like opined. <laughs> the the first question I want to start with from, from at Couch Sports Adam, he simply asks, Will it happen?
1: I, you know, like I said at the top of the show, news is rolling in by the minute, it feels like. Um I think it will happen. Um and that's because they've taken like i said they've taken all these steps not overnight but over several years to undermine uefa and, and fifa and the competitions that they currently play in uh i don't think you secure a 3.5 million uh, billion dollar credit facility from jp morgan overnight you know what i mean right. so i i mean all for me all signs point to it's happening In some way, shape or form, maybe like how Phil said, where it maybe just replaces the Champions League. And is that better or worse? We don't know. Um, It looks like it's going to happen, but I'd love to be wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I it's it's one of those things where I think. My gut kept saying up till now like that, you know what, this is this is all still posturing like this is just mm. the more aggressive brinksmanship that you know they're like playing chicken with uefa um because and, of
1: their new champions league yeah format yeah
0: that's, and that's important yeah and and that is that is uh some of the context that we didn't add which is that uefa today approved um a new format for the champions league that I mean, in my opinion was far more favorable to the teams who broke away <laughs> for the super league. Like, um, the new format, uh, increases the number of teams from 32 to 36. Uh, every club's now guaranteed 10 like group stage games mm-hmm. against 10 different opponents. Um, and then the top eight sides, it's a like a league now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: so the top eight sides in the league will qualify for the knockout stage. Ninth to twenty-fourth will compete in a two-legged playoff to get into the last last 16. And then uh qualification, there's going to be um there's going to be people who qualify based on highest club coefficient over the last five years. So you could be, you could be not good. Like you could be in Liverpool spot, but you've been to a final and a, and a, and one, a final in the last five years, you're probably your coefficients pretty high, like in how you've <laughs> been performing. So right. you could be like eighth and still finish, like still qualify for the champions, like based off of your history
1: ridiculous I mean i that's not the ideal solution either to be fair, and you wait for not not uh the good guys there are no good guys in my opinion no. here no uh, it's just varying shades of bad, so, yeah, but yeah,
0: but i yeah, I mean, to answer your question, Adam, I think I don't know, I think it has gone it has gone very far, and I think we're in uncharted territory, I think it's very possible um that it actually does happen. Yeah um, in some format, uh, and whether it remains the case or if it ends up being one of these things where you're like, Hey, remember that one season that they played the super league (laughs) or whatever? Like, um, yeah, I guess that remains to be seen. Um, one of the, one of the like questions that's been floating out there though, and we spoke about it in regards to UEFA and and their potential sanctioning that goes on uh, was from at Ramos 5173 he said should players be punished for their teams being a part of the Super League or is the potential ban of players from national teams too far
1: yeah so I think that's the one part of this that we haven't yet touched on is the players who are you know this has shown more than anything that they're just human capital, human yeah. <laughs> chattel to be, you know, non fungible assets, if you will. <laughs> uh that uh these the powers that be just kind of hawk around like they're nothing, like they're not people. Yeah. Um should they? I guess I guess obviously I would say no. They shouldn't be. That's a terrible thing for them. Playing for your country is a huge source of pride for for a lot of players. And I think actually that's one of these Blind spots that these owners have is I think they underestimate how seriously some players are motivated by, you know, achieving things in the sporting sense and not just money. Sure, there are a lot of players out there that are, this is a job to them, but there are some that have more money than they can spend in a lifetime and they really are just trying to achieve things. So should they be? No, but I, I understand why that threat was made. Yeah. Because it it is one of the few things I think that UEFA could possibly do. Um, and that would have, I don't know, oh man, far-reaching implications. Um, but yeah, I, it is harsh. And it just shows that, you know, they showed it with the coronavirus pandemic. And now they're showing it again that the players are just leveraged for these different things. Um, yeah. And it's it's a shame.
0: if. It's one of those situations, too, that like the power of the clubs that aren't affiliated with the Super League could increase because if they were to carry through and actually be able to bar players from playing for their national teams in UEFA competitions, could you see like a scenario where a Jorginho Vinaldum like forces a move to Bayern? on a free like rather yeah. than rather than play uh or rather than have to sit out if he were to join like a barcelona um he could <laughs> like force a move out of the super league so he can represent the netherlands
1: yeah yeah that's i could see something like that maybe happening um yeah yeah <laughs> please. I mean, I mean the, and the, and then that, that brings up like the Qatar world cup, which is a farce in and of itself. And, yeah. Oh God. Maybe <laughs> it's for the best. <laughs> um,
0: we had, uh, I, so, I mean, in answer to your, to your question, I, I think, I think it is harsh to use the players as the leverage, um, in this, but I think it is, as you said, Mika, like one of the few things that like hits home, um, and could cause the players to actually start to take like more of a hard line, um, yeah. against, against the super league. Um, obviously UEFA like starts to run into jurisdiction problems when, you know, you start having like South American or, or, you know, non-European players involved. Um, right. But, yeah, it's an interesting one the I think one of the <laughs> one of the questions that stood out to me was from Hamito al uh seven on Twitter just when exactly did football die? I think you could make a case for a couple of different landmark events, but Mika is football dead, <laughs> and if so, when did it die
1: um, I know what what Jaime is getting at with this question because I kind of went back to him on it. Like, well, what what kind of events come to your mind? And he brought up uh, the Bosman ruling. He brought up the foundation of the Premier League. Yeah. Um. I think someone else had responded about the Neymar transfer being a flashpoint. I don't know that football's dead because I think... Well, I mean, the European game maybe... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I support I support my local club and I know he does, too. I think he's a tr- Detroit City fan. Yeah. So um, it's not dead as long as us fans are here uh, attending the matches, you know, supporting the players on uh, all that kind of thing. Maybe the European yeah. game might be. Um, and, and those those different uh, those different examples that he cited, I could certainly see like those being like turning points in the etching away of what football was as you know- this transformation from a social community institution into straight business yeah um if if football being dead is football being just business, then yeah, sure, it's already happened, yeah for sure um so yeah,
0: and when i think when I think of the inflection point, I guess um it probably happened before the Premier League, but I do think the the formation of the Premier League is a watershed moment because of the formation of like rather than negotiating like these, these big clubs negotiating with the football league, like a way to make sure that they were getting what they saw was fair for them, but also, you know, supporting the rest of the pyramid, they basically took their ball and went home and said, we're going to go, we're going to go play, are in our own league uh mm-hmm. if you don't pay us like and they held the game hostage um which right. ultimately like that sort of approach is so ruthless in a in a business sense that it it really minimizes what's going on uh, on the field um yeah. and I think we've seen such like impacts to grassroots level like it's often referenced in England that you know like the lower leagues are are pretty impacted by the fact that you know there's all this money at the top and and not much trickles down um the pyramid to them so um yeah i think you can see that as a watershed moment and i think now you know as we talk about that in the context of the super league like it just becomes clear that the that kind of normalized like this sort of behavior in a in a way. Um,
1: it did. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So and it was rewarded hugely. Like, I mean, in terms of like the Premier League now has, you know, some of the wealthiest clubs on earth. Um, you know, and, and from a business standpoint, they make they generate billions and billions and billions of dollars in revenue each year. Um so I don't know, like we have this kind of perverse relationship with with some of these teams as well, who got what yeah. they wanted out of out of that sort of business approach. But that brings us to the next question, which is a really interesting one and one that I think we're both kind of like grappling with at the moment. Um, Joshua Duder, uh on on Twitter just said, can a person support a club but not the league that they play in?
1: This is an interesting one because actually, I think you you know, you and I feel both being American. This is a actually a discussion that hits close to home. Yeah, being that we live in a country where the top flight is a closed league, and this kind of debate rages, it flares up quite a bit. Um, Yeah, can you ethically support an MLS team and not support MLS, the, the entity? Um so in our in this context of, of the European Super League, first off I I am pretty firmly of the belief that I never want to police somebody else's support or fandom. Sure. Because I think that your connection to your club is personal and for me to tell someone that they're less of a fan or more is is not right. I think what I said earlier about my relationship with Arsenal is fundamentally different from that of someone in England. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, that's just a fact. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I didn't... We we both did not grow up supporting these clubs through the generations from our families and things like that. Uh, so it's different. But I don't think it's less. Right. Uh, so with that being said, I think, yeah, you probably could support your club and not support the league that they they play in. And, and I think it's also very difficult and difficult perhaps even unrealistic to think that or to expect that fans of these 12, this dirty half dozen
0: uh, <laughs> can just
1: uh, rip themselves from that part of their identity overnight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Because I love Arsenal. I I mean, I, I do. I, I love the club. I love what I thought it stood for when I started following Arsenal and yeah. the players. I love the players. I love our traditions, our history. But I, and I like to think that our club is different from our owners. Mm-hmm. So my answer is yes, and I and only not only but largely because I I don't feel comfortable telling other people what is and isn't acceptable in terms of supporting your club. Um, right. So
0: yeah, I think. What comes to mind, it's it's funny because all the things you mentioned just like evoke. I have a similar reaction when I'm thinking about Liverpool. Um, I mean, in the context of our local club, El Paso Locomotive, I don't like fuck with USL that much. Yeah. Like, I, I actually kind of dislike USL to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, because mm-hmm. the connection, as you said, is not with an entity like a league or or anything like that. Like the connection is with the players is with the experience in the stadium is with like the moments that we city. experience. Yeah. The city, the culture, like all of those things are what connect us to, to a team. But when I think about it in the context and like, if I can get cynical, I guess for a second, like, mm. <laughs> when I think poor, about it in poor. the context of Liverpool, The problem that I have, and again, this is, and I want to reiterate like what Mika is saying, and that this is not me like policing how you feel about your club or anything like that, because like I said, it's a personal connection. Like it is, it's what you feel. Like it's not, it's not for me to judge like who, what you feel about your own team. I think what's tough for me to separate though is like the owners of the team ultimately benefit from all of these decisions that we make around the club whether it's buying a jersey or buying tickets or you know whatever like whatever your commercial decisions around a team and your yeah. support like at the end of the day like i'm not saying john henry pockets you know my 180 bucks for the hospitality package at anfield or whatever <laughs> so i can go sit in the anfield road and like Uh, he's not getting it directly, but at the end of the day, like it's tough for me to separate, like obviously what I feel about the club and the players and even like, you know, Jurgen Klopp and like all of these, all of these different facets of Liverpool. um, Those, those are, those are kind of separated. But when I think about like the club and the owner are different, while that's totally true and I, and I, definitely feel that. And I, we're not out there like chanting John Henry's name in the stands. Like (laughs) it's, it's so difficult to separate like the commercial entity from like the community, uh, staple, I guess that a club is it's, it's like they've become so connected that it's, it's really not easy for me to think about like, okay, I've turned on a Liverpool match and, but I'm just watching like for the players and like for the fan experience and everything. It just like, it's just tough to grapple with the fact that the guy who owns it is like, he, he isn't feeling that same thing. And it's tough to, it is tough to support a team that has now taken this stand whether it is just in the boardroom, like the players obviously haven't made that decision. The coach, you know, the manager hasn't made that decision. Um, even a lot of the front office staff probably haven't been involved in the decision-making and certainly the supporters weren't ma- involved, but that doesn't stop the fact that Liverpool will like participate in this breakaway league, which it, so it's tough to separate the owners and the club when you get down to the brass tacks of like, who is making decisions around the entity itself. And so yeah. that's, that's where it gets really hard to just like separate the two in my mind.
1: And that's totally fair. Yeah.
0: Um, so Pat with that cool being,
1: Fernie said, sorry, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After the initial uproar, what percentage, I guess of, of fans or folks do you think will tune in to watch the European Super League?
0: Uh, depressingly high amount.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to agree with that. You don't you don't take out a 3.5 billion dollar loan from JP Morgan not knowing that hella people are going to watch this. Yeah.
0: Well, and even even the I I guarantee you, like there's someone doing analysis right now of the social media engagement with the keywords, Super League, European Super League, hashtag ESL, all this stuff. And regardless of the fact that ninety nine percent of it is negative, Mm -hmm. no one is talking about anything else. Right. They are dominating. Every headline, like every single podcast, every single piece of media that's being produced right now, is about the Super League, and someone at J.P. Morgan is eating this shit up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and at the and end if of the I, and
1: d- am am I. Too big to morbidly watch one of these. Probably not. I mean, (laughs) if it's going to be like you know twenty bucks pay per view, I might that might actually make the decision for me. Sure. I'm at the end of the day. I'm not made of money, and I'm not going to like pay like pay per view for a match. Like that's insane in my mind. If someone else wants to do that, by all means. Like I'm not judging who wants to do that. Yeah. Um.
0: I mean. No judgment, but folks are buying Jake Paul fucking boxing boxing (laughs) matches. Oh, my word.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um,
0: So no, a lot of people are going to watch. And like at the end of the day, I think a lot of people will tune in out of this like morbid curiosity at first of like, what the hell even is this? Um, And may end up like extremely compelled. Who knows? Like, I, you know, and the other thing, as you mentioned, like the players being the assets like it, it Liverpool played Leeds today and I was at work. So it wasn't like hard for me not to watch the game, but mm-hmm. I often seek out opportunities to like take a break, take lunch, yeah. like whatever, whatever the case is, like try to watch the game. I did not make an active uh an active attempt to watch the game but I still had notifications on on my phone and I saw Saudi Yomane scored and it gave me such a hit of dopamine that I was like it's hard it's genuinely hard for me to not root for and not like pull for that group of players
1: and they know that Phil they know this is like a drug to us and that we're a captive audience basically
0: So that is where that is where a lot of this is going to come in, because at the end of the day, the owners know that they can take the heat like they can be the bad guys. They already fucking are every single day, like in (laughs) in their other industries. They're the bad guys, too. Like they're they're fucking assholes. Like none of these people are like good guys. Like you don't make a a billion dollars because you're so nice. So like they already are used to being the bad guy. And they know that the good guys, like the Klops and the and the Artetas and whoever Spurs hire, <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll like get into that. Yeah, like they're they're going to they're going to pull the weight of this. Like no yeah, one is watching. Up,
1: that they had to stump up. Yeah, that Arteta, Klopp, Tuchel had to. Yeah, answer these questions.
0: They'd they get themselves. trotted out in front of yeah. in front of the media and they have to end up being like they're gonna be the ones in the promos they're gonna be the ones in the ads it's not gonna be fucking john henry in the owner's box clapping in watch live on whatever new streaming service they invent for this like it's gonna be you know it's gonna be like the marquee players it's gonna be right. lacazette it's gonna be firmino and and Salah, <laughs> and it's gonna you know uh it's gonna be jo- joao felix like Well, Felix didn't Mm -hmm. have anything to fucking say about this like whatsoever. (laughs) He's literally a teenager and he's going to be expected to to carry the water for this for this. And I mean, at the end of the day, they've got the star power like and they could probably make it work.
1: No Mbappe or Holland, though.
0: True. (laughs) Well, until Mbappe signs for one of these teams in the. True, 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 true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, Fernie, I think a lot of people will watch, um, which is why this is all the more upsetting. Um but uh the other thing, uh the next one at Jake Kanaki, uh a big friend of the pod just said, so y'all want to be Brighton fans with me or nah? Uh also sorry that both <laughs> of your clubs are doing this to y'all. This has been a really crappy situation. Uh agreed, Jake. But I think nothing me- to be
1: sorry for and Brighton are a big shout.
0: Yeah. I think, like, Mika, I was going to say, like, this is a very non-controversial take. Like, I would root for Brighton in a heartbeat. Hell yeah. Like, this Hell iteration yeah. of Brighton is extremely fun to watch.
1: It is. Grand Potter's is a great coach. They play exciting attacking football. They got a nice stadium. They're on the South Coast. Nice kits. I mean, I have nothing against Brighton. I hope I mean, they got a pretty <laughs> decent rivalry with Crystal Palace. I mean, real club, real values. It's just... That's the thing we haven't touched on yet either. Is how do these other clubs that are not invited feel and <laughs> in are fans? Like it's imagine that just like Leeds today. Yeah. They, they nick two, They nick a point off of Liverpool, and they're not considered elite. You know, Arsenal scraping a draw against Fulham, who are bound for the championship. Uh, Atalanta, like we said, beat Juventus. Like all these clubs that are serious sporting institutions, and they're just arbitrarily not super for this league, you know? Um, You know, and I know, obviously, I know that there's this big financial disparity between the two and the Mm -hmm. market shares and all that. I get that. I'm just saying, I I guess what I'm saying and what this highlights is, this is not about football at all. Yeah. Even in Florentino Perez's interview today, they did not speak about the sport once. No. So.
0: And that is that is the next step of why this sucks right like why and why like we have to talk about it because it is a massive seismic shift in how the game is operated in europe um and so it has to be talked about but at the end of the day the super league team's results this weekend not stellar for for most uh Spurs, Arsenal, Inter, Juve, Real Madrid, and Liverpool all drop points in their domestic leagues. Um, and Juve, beaten by Atal- Atalanta, a Champions League team now two years in a row who will not have a shot at the Super League. Uh, Real Madrid draw draw with Hatafe, a local rival who won't get anywhere near it. Liverpool against Leeds, newly promoted side, obviously not in the discussion. And as you already mentioned, you know, Arsenal dropping points against Fulham inter against Napoli, a team who arguably could be in the discussion of, of super league, um, quality as they, you know, consistent champions league appearances. Um, and then spurs drawing against Everton, another team, you know, uh, who had champions league ambitions this year that, uh, that won't get a shot in this, in this new setup. So, uh, lessons being handed out in that it 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 just feels as the announcements came out it felt like well you can see why we we are angling for permanent spots in europe
1: yeah because we can't keep losing or drawing to these sides this is just simply too much for our balance sheets to handle (laughs)
0: yeah goodness um credit to Leeds, and i rarely like i didn't take any joy i i I just want to say this like just because i'm like a little disillusioned with liverpool at the moment does not mean i will take joy in liverpool like not winning um because it's just not (laughs) i'm too i'm too far down for that um i mean
1: 16 years in the making We yeah
0: (laughs) but i did i did laugh at Leeds' tweet um at full time of uh (laughs) <laughs> Leeds United uh, hold Super League team Merseyside red to one one draw like <laughs> they went with the Pez name. <laughs> they hit him with the Pez name. Ouch. Yeah. Um. But I'm sure this isn't the last that we're talking about the Super League. Like there's so much to unpack. And every single second, as you said, like I'm being sent headlines um as we're recording about different stuff that could happen like revealed big six clubs could be blocked from signing foreign players amid push to join new european super league oh my god the government set to step in and deny work permits like (laughs) (laughs) like this as you said like this is shifting so drastically on like a minute to minute basis. basis it's led to just us like doom scrolling twitter 24 7
1: yep yep it was really hard to focus at work today and all last night I was doom scrolling and i've just had this like low-grade headache too for like <laughs> the entire day just too much screen time watching this shit show
0: but yeah, yeah. and great
1: questions though guys yeah really no
0: we really do it. appreciate uh all the questions and hopefully over the coming weeks we can get back to focusing on the actual results uh, because this denied us the chance to talk about some awesome games that happened this weekend. Um, And maybe we'll have to just go back and and focus on some of those. But Mika, I think we've earned a little bit of a break. uh, And I think think the listeners probably could use a break too. Um, And then we could come back and talk about the other bombshell that, that they decided to drop on us uh, this morning. Sounds good. Welcome back everyone. Uh Mika as if this European su- Super League news wasn't enough, uh Daniel Levy hit the footballing world with the Oh, let me just sneak right by you there and sack Jose Mourinho. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love the idea that Daniel Levy is a polite Midwesterner. <laughs> just trying to sneak by you there and uh Yeah. Sack Sack
0: the manager. Yeah. Sack the special one. Um, <laughs> yeah, they announced it. Uh, so the super league news dropped at midnight in the UK, um, which is just that that's, foul. some. F- that's, a, that's absolutely foul. That's a like, pardon the phrase, but that's a fuck shit right there.
1: That is supreme <laughs> fuck shit.
0: Like, <laughs> Um, but by comparison, Tottenham dropped the Jose Mourinho news. Like, midday <laughs> just like absolutely no fucks given
1: yeah yeah i think uh i think it's like low key a masterstroke by daniel levy like everyone's going to be talking about the super league just get rid of him now like it will dominate the cycle and of course people caught it but i mean there's just so much going on that like sacking <laughs> managers as big as jose Mourinho did get overshadowed quite a bit um but Speaking of the sacking itself, I think it was coming. Yeah. They had just recently drawn to Everton. Was it Everton? Newcastle.
0: Everton. Yeah. 2-2. Two, two. Everton.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: in in a game that Everton probably should have won, um, but they gifted Harry Kane a couple of easy goals. Um, right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, the writing was certainly on the wall for Jose at, at Tottenham Hotspur. Results haven't been good enough. Um, at one point, they were top of the league, and then it just completely fell away he was increasingly calling the players out in the media more and more in no uncertain terms. I mean, I think his latest thing was, you know, same coach, different players, which is just an ugly thing to say. Like, (laughs) I mean, uh, it's not like they didn't support him in the transfer window with, with signings. Um, Maybe not all the settings that he wanted, but you know, in the COVID market, what can you really expect? Um, So, yeah, I mean, it just wasn't working out there and, it's a very expensive sacking because uh, they had to sack him and all his staff, you know, Joao Sacramento and all of them, and that that costs quite a pretty penny. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I guess we'll see what's next for the special one, but I, I certainly think he's lost his touch, and it's amazing to me that he continues to make the same – I wouldn't, I don't know if you even call them mistakes at this point. Cause can you right. really make that same mistake that many times? I think these are, this is just him This is and his way of doing things. And his, his way of managing is for me incompatible with the modern footballer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, I think in our, in our group chat, like during the day you were just saying like, that these millionaires, like who have like, they're not going to come into training and and feel bad like or be like shamed into playing well like that's <laughs> right. not it's just the psyche is just not like that there is no like him him calling you out like sure there's a level of comp- competitiveness that these players would respond to and if they're mm. benched like for someone else that can certainly have an effect but you're not going to play well because your manager like tries to embarrass you at training or something
1: Yeah, and I mean, again, like you said, there is this level of competitiveness and I think that kind of like needle can glean short-term effects. But Mm -hmm. if that's like your whole shtick, no, that's going to grate on anyone, Uh, especially, especially this generation of footballers who are millionaires, who are... A brand unto themselves, and will be on the phone to their agent the first thing, <laughs> the first opportunity they get if they feel like it's not working out for you. And and the manager will always, I think, will always lose in this situation. And even Jose Mourinho knows that because he he said as much that the players have so much power nowadays because you can't sack all the players, right? So
0: Mourinho, yeah, I think. Mourinho, though, as you said, like this is who Mourinho is. This is his cycle. 3 years of Mourinho um and that third season everywhere he's gone has been this sort of just like meltdown um mm-hmm. where it just all spirals out of his control it seems
1: Yeah it all it all ends very very toxic toxically if that's a word yeah, Um, I do find the timing interesting, not only for the European Super League, like news dominating the news cycle at the same time that he gets gets a sack. But Tottenham are playing for a trophy in in a few days with the League Cup final. So, yeah. you know, Jose leaves without having won a, a trophy and he's won a trophy. Every- and you'll be thinks that this will give the team the boost, I guess, that they need to maybe win some silverware. Um under Ryan Mason, right? Of all
0: people. So, so. bizarre. Yeah, so, so bizarre. Um so the first question that we got uh from from a listener on the topic of Mourinho was at from at Goatfoot twenty one. Um and Grant asked, uh, do you think Mourinho stays in the Prem, maybe a stint with Newcastle?
1: Haven't Newcastle United supporters been through enough? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't know that he stays in the Prem. I think, uh, I mean, if anyone hires him now, like they're in the Premier League, they are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, come on. He's. Yeah. It has ended the same way at at each of the Premier League clubs that he has managed. So why why would you even take that chance in this, in these, you know? I hate to say it, in these unprecedented times. You yeah. know what I mean? Like <laughs> in all all the uncertainty, the last thing you need is him rocking up and yeah. ruining the locker room and and just spending money wildly and saying that he's not been supported and all the Jose Mourinho things. So I I don't think. I think Newcastle's a bad fit. Um and I don't think he stays in the Premier League. I think maybe I think maybe the next stop for him is maybe Italy. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting. I don't I don't know anyone in Italy can actually afford him now that I think about it. But uh yeah, uh, if if somebody in the Premier League hires him, like Jesus Christ, more power <laughs> to you, but that I just don't see that working out. I think he's yeah. – He was I was enjoying him somewhat as a pundit, like go back to that, (laughs) but you can tell that that doesn't fulfill him. So
0: yeah, (laughs) yeah. I, I think if he, yeah, if he were to choose like the best job for him, pundit is 100% it he's (laughs) likable as a pundit. He's like, he's everything that manager Mourinho is not. Um, right. The, the thing about him taking another job I just all you have to do is look at his pedigree like and the clubs that he's gone to and had success at and how he built this legacy for himself. I mean, Porto was the last time that he built something. Mm. And even then, like that's a really strong club. Like there's, you know, especially at that time, they were they were in a better place, I think, like the Portuguese League in general, maybe. But I think you know, Porto in particular, we're in a better place than they are now. Um, Not to say that they're like a dead club or anything like that, but um, he then goes to Chelsea followed by stints with the likes of real Madrid inter Milan. Like he's, he's not going to projects and even Manchester United and Spurs proved to be too big of projects for him and they were like they had spent million you know hundreds of millions on their squads and had had elite level players yeah. Um, but the only time that he's had success is with the finished product like he needs a squad that has been like that is fully polished and ready to win right now um,
1: other than Porto yeah and yeah.
0: by the yeah and by the time he's done with them they will be like ruined a little bit like he's going to break your club a little bit when he leaves (laughs) yeah like inter inter won a treble with him and then weren't relevant for a fucking decade like after he left like that was the that was the amount of damage he did (laughs) at inter milan on his way out
1: Yeah, I will say I don't think that that same level of damage has been done here. No. It's really significant damage. But, (laughs) you know, on that note, I think the players do share in the responsibility of Spurs' decline. Because, I mean, he was the opposite of of Pochettino in a lot of ways. And it still went south at Spurs. So, And Daniel Levy, too. I mean, there's, there's enough blame to go around they're at everyone at Tottenham Hotspur. And again, I'm not just saying that because I'm an Arsenal fan, but I think it just, these same, a lot of these same core players declined under Pochettino too, who's vastly different as a manager from Mourinho. So yeah, I just think that there's enough blame to go around, but the only person who really can realistically lose their job is, is the manager. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what Ryan Mason can I guess, lead them to if if they do end up winning a trophy and and at least stabilizing until such time as they can hire someone permanent and maybe even bring in more players. But doesn't matter. They'll be in the Super League. Like, we'll see.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Well, the I guess the question then becomes as uh, as Tyler and Savannah asked, who do Spurs hire?
1: Yeah, in the, the million dollar question, I guess, um, I've heard Ralph hussenhutel has been sounded out for the position. I, it seems like Daniel Levy wants someone who will play attractive, attacking football after the dross that we've watched them play under Jose Mourinho. That makes total sense. But also you want someone who can work with youth players and bring the best out of them. Um, and that makes perfect sense, too, because, again, in a COVID market, I think you will be you will see clubs trying to lean into their youth a bit more and not just splash the cash. Um, but, uh, and Hoodle makes a lot of sense. Um, it would be a shame because I really like him. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to see him at Spurs. <laughs> um, he makes sense. I've heard Julian Nagelsmann, although I think Nagelsmann is Byron bound. Uh, maybe even Brendan Rogers. I think could fit the bill, but he's got a really good thing going at Leicester. So, I don't know, but then again, we know Brendan Rodgers really rates himself and would probably love to get a big six job, so called big six jobs. So mm-hmm. uh I think all of those are possibilities, but maybe Levy surprises us.
0: Yeah, um I think if Levy if Levy had his you know, his his way um with no external factors, I think Nogglesman would be I think he would toss he'd toss the bank at Nogglesman to get him in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think Tottenham will beat Bayern in that respect. Um, I, and yeah. with Hansi flick announcing that he's leaving Bayern, like at the end of the season, I don't think there's a chance in hell that, that Nagelsmann doesn't go there. Um, yeah, the, the Brennan Rogers one is an interesting one because I think, I think you're right in the sense that I think he's been looking for ways to, to prove that he can do it at that top six level again. Um, because I think he, I think he, he thinks that he wasn't given a fair shake in, in the end, you know, the end of his tenure at Liverpool. Um, so I think he would love to like try to stick it to everybody by doing something at a, at a big club again. The thing is, is that, I think there will be caution shown about Brendan Rodgers because whether it's, whether it's like real or imagined his teams drop off towards the end of the season is becoming, it's becoming a thing. Yeah. Like it's happening too frequently for it not to be. Um, so yeah. The article that I that I looked at also tossed out the likes of uh, Massimiliano Allegri. Um, Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Which would have been uh, that would be that would be something Um,
1: he was uh, Max Allegri was sounded out for the Arsenal position uh before we hired when I Emery and I think what I recall is the board were not impressed with him and the sheer amount of staff that he wanted to bring with him <laughs> um and I think that would be very interesting at Tottenham who just had to sack a whole bunch of staff for a right. very high fee so
0: um, he,
1: I mean but he is a world class manager like I I am still shocked that he's not employed yet and maybe he just doesn't want to be in
0: the uh the other two names that were thrown out were the aforementioned Graham Potter. Do you think oh. it would be uh too soon for for the Brighton boss to make a jump to a club like that?
1: Um I don't think so. I think he, actually he's got what it takes. Um I I just that's another one I would hate to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz I like Grim Potter too. So um <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I think he's got what it takes. Um but whether that's a sexy enough appointment for Daniel Levy is another question.
0: Right. The last uh the last one and this will evoke a sharp intake of air from Yumika. But Oh god. One Christophe Gaultier.
1: Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I've heard that Gaultier wants to go coach Lyon, uh, which right. is also annoying. But uh, yeah. he's not Spurs.
0: Um, <laughs> the the odd bit of trivia about Gaultier and his connection to Mourinho is that, like jo- Joao Sacramento and Nuno Santos, uh, two of Mourinho's assistants that we mentioned, uh, he poached them from Gaultier's staff.
1: Indeed he did, yeah. Joel <laughs> Sacramento cut his teeth at
0: Leo. Yeah. Oh, so God. yeah. Football Mar- is
1: so incestuous.
0: Well, and Mourinho stays on his bullshit, like where, <laughs> <laughs> where he's yeah. just like, hmm. Portuguese man or Portuguese coaches like doing the doing the damn thing elsewhere. It's like you you will come play for me. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly
0: um mika actual games did happen this weekend um despite all of this news to the contrary and the biggest game of the weekend was athletic club's second chance at a trophy uh in their second copa del rey final in two weeks and this time rather than sociedad in the 2020 edition um they faced off against FC Barcelona and uh, a beardless Lionel Messi who showed vintage uh, Messi vibes in a just resounding win for Barcelona to, to take home the trophy.
1: Yeah. 4-0 Barcelona uh, at the Cartuja in, in Seville. Uh big big moment i think for for an fc barcelona side that had again have been humiliated in the champions league may or may not win the league it remains to be seen um and are trying to usher in this new era of fc barcelona and i think that this this trophy this copa del rey is a, is a big achievement given what what they're trying to to do with this transition um and and leo messi i mean just <laughs> timeless like I really don't even know how to explain these goals that he scores (laughs) and just his overall impact um and the fact that all all of his teammates were lining up to take a picture with him yeah not with a trophy (laughs) after the game yeah um and and like you said he showed up beardless so like 2015 vibes and he absolutely went off and uh your your tweet had me dying where you said uh pray for Bilbao yeah (laughs) such (laughs) prayers were were not answered on the night and yeah you know, Athletic Club have the unfortunate pub trivia stat of losing two Copas del Rey in two weeks. Yeah. Uh one to their giant Basque rival and the other to uh, a a league rival really and a and a and a and a Messi who has terrorized them over the years. Yeah. This, you know, these two goals for Athletic Club might not even be his best goals against Athletic Club. No. <laughs> like he's constantly going in on them. So yeah actual football happened and it was it was pretty good
0: yeah (laughs) messy messy shaving the beard is is a power move and a statement like (laughs) there there was no the like there could be no confusion about how serious this game was when he ditched the beard after I mean he's been he's been like he's had the beard now consistently for years as he said like five six years
1: yeah yeah, yeah. that's like him now but he was like no I gotta be fully aerodynamic and showing <laughs> like yeah just everything like just not hiding at all <laughs> it was a,
0: it was a trip back in time like at in more ways than one and that crazy run evoked as you said like so many memories of messi against athletic like specifically yeah. not just vintage messi but against athletic club and and unfortunately for athletic i think the storyline for them out of this game like despite all the positives around Barcelona, like I think it's equally negative around athletic where Mm -hmm. in these two cup finals, like for all the positivity in reaching these two cup finals and all of the, like the opportunity to win these trophies, one to come up empty handed in both is devastating, but to be so just abject in both finals and not really offer anything or any yeah. sort of fight is just, it's unforgivable for athletic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They really didn't show, I think what they're capable of, I guess. And, and it's sad for Marcelino, obviously, because I think he's actually done a pretty good job at athletic club to be fair. Yeah. Um And I think maybe, you know when you when you juxtapose this with the first final that they lost to Real Sociedad, perhaps it kind of shows the limitations of the Cantera policy, where they don't buy anyone who did not have a footballing education in the Basque Country or come up through their academy. Um, yeah. Because Real Sociedad they don't they are not that strict on they're not as strict with their transfers, and you know they they nicked this this one over them with the Mikel Saba penalty, and then. They just didn't really show up against FC Barcelona in, in any attacking sense. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of the limitations are showing there as far as how competitive they can really be. Because I think it's been like six Copas del Rey in a, in a row that they have lost. Something insane like that. Yeah. Saw that stat flash across my feed and, yeah. Yeah, um, six
0: finals in a row. That's, they've yeah. they've won zero.
1: Crazy, but they did win the Super Copa this year, so I mean, it's not like a complete failure of a season. But to back to back Copas, Copas Del Rey, like Munayin is probably sick that he touched the trophy. It seems (laughs) like that that curse, you know, carried over to the second one, so
0: universal bad luck. Uh, Yeah. yeah. No, I'll, I mean, it's, it's tough for, for athletic and obviously sympathize with their fans. Cause it's not easy to go to, to go to finals and, and come away empty handed. But the, the manner in which it happened is just, is just so disappointing. Um, yeah. the Copa del Rey though, not the only cup competition ongoing. Um, and the FA cup had their semifinals this weekend, uh, the the two winners, Chelsea uh, using a Hakeem Ziyech goal to get past Manchester City 1-0 and another 1-0 with an in-form question mark, Kalechi Iheanacho scoring for Leicester <laughs> to beat Saints.
1: It's bizarre. He's just like scoring goals now out of nowhere. And I mean, you love to see it, um, you know, scoring ones that matter, too. So. Congratulations to Leicester City, a non-Super League club, <laughs> you know, a small club who have won the, the Premier League and have qualified for Champions League the old school way and are now on their way to a cup final. Yeah. Um. How about that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, that like?
1: Yeah. I'm firmly rooting for Leicester in this final, yeah. to be clear. I think it would be fantastic to just rub it in even more that these clubs are serious uh, and that you know, this, this game is for everyone and everyone should have the opportunity to win things. Not just the few who deem themselves elite and super and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Chelsea, uh, Chelsea going through against city, obviously a little bit of a, of a, um, achievement all its own. Um, but pretty even on the day and, and just that, that moment from, from Ziyech enough to enough to get past, um, but the, the trivia here is that Leicester city are in their first FA cup final since 1969. Um, so yeah, they, they have not, uh, been this close to, you know, domestic silverware in the, in the tournament sense, I guess, or in these domestic trophies, um, in, in quite some time, uh, Chelsea on the other hand are into their fourth final in five seasons. So, feast or famine um i think is the is the (laughs) storyline here um somewhat of a story too is the fact that city's chance at the quote-unquote quadruple uh is is ended um as they uh they will have to settle for the carabao cup uh (laughs) the league cup um in terms of in terms of the uh the cup Competitions in England this year,
1: and how funny would it be if they don't win anything because they get kicked out of (laughs) (laughs) the Premier League and the Champions League? I'm "I'm sorry, but that would be funny as
0: fuck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely rooting for (laughs) rooting for Leicester in this final. Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it well, and it gives me, I guess, like the. The disparity between the clubs is not as great, but it does give me twenty thirteen vibes in that when it was Manchester City against Wigan, in that mm. it has obviously Leicester are not being relegated, so it's it's not quite as drastic. Um but in a way they kind of are. Like if we're locking Leicester out of Chelsea's tier of uh-huh. of football um, by Chelsea being able to, to play it, it it is in a way like relegating Leicester, um, from the chance to compete, like at that level. Uh, so a Leicester win would be a statement in that way where, Hey, like the game's not completely dead and, uh, and we can still compete with these teams that, as you said, have like deigned themselves to be elite.
1: Right. Exactly. We'll
0: see. So hopefully the Foxes can get something done. Um, But Mika, that does bring us towards the end of the episode. And uh, each week we do our sounds of the season playlist where we add uh, two songs to a playlist that we have running on Spotify. The sounds of the season playlist, uh, all types of alternative music and everything Um, very eclectic for those who want to uh, throw something on shuffle and have something to listen to. (laughs) So Mika, I'm, I'm really interested uh this week what what have you got for us what what was your what was your vibe um for the for the sounds of the season playlist this this week
1: Yeah so I've gone with a song called Blasphemy by <laughs> Bring Me The Horizon <laughs> um because I think that's exactly what all of this Super League nonsense is it's blasphemy for those yep. of us who you know football is like not to be dramatic, but, like, for a lot of people, it is almost like a religion. And uh, this seismic, like, shakeup of the game, I'm sure feels very blasphemous to a lot of the fans. Um, And and it's just a good jam, so I thought I'd throw it on here. Yeah. The other one that I've picked is a song called Rise Above by Black Flag. I mean, quintessential hardcore punk, like, revolution song. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the lyrics are spot on and and i wanted to include this because i feel like it's been a while since i put any like legit hardcore or punk on here sure i mean the very first verse you you know jealous cowards try to control rise above we're gonna rise above chorus you know we're tired of your abuse try to stop us it's no use i mean yeah this is kind of my like hope i guess is that as fans (laughs) even though we you know, we banter each other and, and we're rivals on the pitch. Like my hope is that we can rise above and that, you know, there's more of us than there are of them. Yeah. And sure they have, you know, more money than we could ever hope for in our lifetimes. But I hope that this backlash against the super league will maybe change something for the better. And maybe this will be the the reckoning that football needs. Um, But, you know, either way, this is our game. And I hope that, that us fans don't forget that and that the players and, and the the staff of the clubs and like all these people who you know who actually matter, not these stupid owners and their millions like yeah. you know, that we that we can rise above all of this and hopefully, you know, take back our game.
0: I absolutely love that. <laughs> I, I love that shout not only because black flag is amazing and like you know that that yeah. whole scene is is uh I'm glad there's representation uh on the podcast or on the uh playlist but but the just the that sentiment uh feels feels so fitting in the situation and um I have however gone the other direction lyrically uh mm. in terms of <laughs> I was feeling very mad, obviously, like, and confused and just like, it was just like, but it's a lot, like, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so I, the, I actually posted the lyrics, um, of this song, uh, that I'll say, and I've put era on this playlist a bunch. I know I don't give a shit. Well, I, they're good. They're so fucking good. Like <laughs> this new album is unbelievable and I will continue to, I will continue to put them on the playlist. So for those who are keeping track, like. I I know, like I, I got it. I, I, I know that there's two other songs by them and I'm going to keep putting them on there. Um, but no, so the, the, the song, uh, snowblood by era, they, uh, there's a, there's a part in the, in like the pre-chorus, I guess, um, where they just, uh, the lyrics are <laughs> crawling out of the crypt to bleed the living dry in this fantasy, the villains win, the heroes die. Slow diving to despair. Fuck it, I'm done. This is a waking nightmare. Like, I was just like... <laughs> that was what it felt like scrolling Twitter. Like, that was, that was what it was.
1: That is a doom-scrolling song, for
0: yeah. sure.
1: <laughs> did you see um, that Era liked your tweet?
0: They did, yeah. <laughs> the the first band... Themselves. The first band to uh, to interact, I think, with, like, hardcore football. So... <laughs> I want to make it more regular of a thing, but I guess we'll see. Um right? who the know. uh maybe we can do maybe we can try to get Dance Gavin Dance in like a Sack Republic crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um so my other song is and this is this is classic. I had to go back I had to go back go back to the roots uh on this one, like back to like oh six. Maybe Lord, the hang um, day. escape the fate their first album, the first song off of the, off of the first album. Um, Dying is your latest fashion is the album. And the song is the webs we weave. And this is absolute bop. And I said, like <laughs> the webs we weave, uh, you know, obviously like with all of these different like arrangements and clubs and broadcasters and uh, governing bodies and like all these things like there are yes. a lot of just interconnected webs out there um but also if you've never listened to this song and i'm not saying this from like a, oh like this is a metal song or a hardcore song or anything like that like if you just like like rock this song you will enjoy the song i can almost guarantee it like it's just a great like alternative rock song um yeah It's not overly heavy, but it's not like soft. It's just like it's just a good fucking song, and it's Ronnie Radke at his absolute coked out best. Um, (laughs) So before
1: prison, right? Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. Before he (laughs) murdered that guy. um, Oh my god! Or whatever it was. (laughs) Um, No, he. uh, It's just it's such a good song, and it and it takes me back to. I saw <laughs> I saw. Escape the Fate open for Bullet For My Valentine in, uh, in like 2006 or 2007 at the House of Blues in Chicago. And Ronnie Reiki, for, I can't remember what song they played last, but I had never heard them before. Like they were a relatively mm-hmm. new band. Like nobody really knew about them. And they were playing as the first opener, like on this tour. Um, and... This dude went up on stage and was just acting like a fucking psychopath and like <laughs> spitting on the crowd and just like just showed a complete disdain for everyone who was there to see it, like just pure rock star shit. Like, and uh, and the last song he ended up just standing like on the crowd, like walk, crowd walking as he's like screaming like the last like repeating line of their ending song, and then he just jumped off like with nowhere to land <laughs> and he just ate shit like,
1: oh my God. like in he the middle didn't of feel the... it at all. Cause he was yeah. probably on <laughs> copious substances.
0: Uh, and I was like, I fucking love this. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> like what a performance. Uh, oh and God. yeah. So anyways, um, if you, if you want to take a trip down memory lane into just like the heyday of, emo whatever uh <laughs> then yeah escape the fate the webs we weave to fucking bop
1: great shouts <laughs> and the, the playlist is is updated and it's a monster yeah it's uh 107 songs about 6 hours so i mean like you could definitely get through a good drive with this one
0: and i know more of more of you guys are like following it so keep, keep that up. Like you can follow it on Spotify. And then whenever we add songs, they're just automatically in there. So it's just constantly refreshing with, with new stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Maybe next for season two. Well, I don't know. Cause like, I love how huge it is. I was going to say maybe we do like one song each, but like,
0: <laughs> then again, like fuck it. Yeah. Keep it, <laughs> keep the vibes, just keep the vibes flowing. You know, that's yeah. it. keep that spout open. Um,
1: exactly (laughs) anyway
0: yeah well uh I think that about does it um hopefully you guys have enjoyed we've certainly enjoyed this episode I think Mika at the at the end of the day like this felt cathartic
1: yeah yeah I think I needed this and I (laughs) for you know if you've listened to this point like shout out to you and we really appreciate it because I know that probably parts of this were more rambly than we intended but Uh, we needed it we hope for those of you who perhaps didn't understand it before hopefully it helped you out or hopefully it helped you feel like other people agree with you (laughs) or not and helped you like kind of analyze your own position but yeah um at the end of the day like this we we don't do this for money you know what i mean like so like this is just our passion Mm -hmm. and it sucks that like this is happening but I think we'll always love the sport and yeah. we'll see where it goes. I mean, maybe we're being a little doomerish up front, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> hopefully it finds a, a satisfying equilibrium um amongst all of all of this chaos right now. But uh yeah, we will be back with more episodes and I'm sure, like I said not the last time we're going to talk about the super league, but hopefully we'll be able to focus more on results, um, next, next week. Um, yeah. as, uh, as these things continue to play out, or maybe we'll have to talk about, you know, expulsions and all sorts of other crazy shit, uh, from, uh, from either European or domestic competition, but either way it'll be, it'll be, uh, just interesting to keep an eye on. And, uh, yeah, we'll continue to bring you guys, um more more sodes uh as we continue along so until next time hope you guys uh have a good week, rest of your week and yeah we'll see you then
1: all right take care